Merry Christmas. Oh, well, good to have you here this morning. Good to be here. Uh, wonderful worship focused on Christmas, but more specifically focused on Jesus the Messiah. By the way, Noel does mean first Christmas. So, uh, wondering what that meant. <clears throat> As you can see behind me, that first word is courageous. Courageous love. Did you know that the supreme requirement by God for us is courage? Courage is peppered all throughout the Bible. Fear not. Be strong. Be of good courage. It's all throughout the Bible. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament says this. Perfect love casts out all fear. In other words, courageous love. Courage has a single enemy, and it's fear. Fear of failure. Fear of shame. Fear of conflict. Fear exaggerates our difficulties. Fear pushes us to shrink away from our responsibilities. And it makes us neglect what matters most in our life, and then we tend to blame everything else for our despair. God calls us to courage, to fear not. He calls us to have courageous love in the face of fear. Courage to love when we feel insecure. Courage to love when we feel insignificant or small. Or scared. You know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, there was a man who felt quite small and insignificant. Uh, he, uh, outside of his close relatives and his friends, uh, he really wasn't known very much throughout the world. Even when we tell the Christmas story, he seems to take a back seat of importance to the likes of Mary and the shepherds and the Magi that came, and, of course, to Jesus himself. But he was a man who showed great courage. The, the, the courage to love in the midst of fear. And today, we're going to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. Just a humble carpenter. He was engaged to Mary... Mary. <laughs> Back then, those who were engaged, they called it being betrothed. And, you know, no doubt the couple was getting to know each other, um, learning about one another, realizing the virtue that each of them had, and how kind they were and caring toward each other as they were betrothed. And then fear overtook Joseph. I think it started uh, when all of a sudden Mary was gone for a couple of months. He, she went from Nazareth to the north, down south, to spend some time, some time with her relatives, Elizabeth and Zacharias. And it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that uh, you know, she let Joseph know that she was going. But when she came back, I think he was really, it was really clear to him why she went south for a couple of months. Um, 
If you have your Bibles handy, you can go to Matthew's account of the Christmas story. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, that's fine. We will have the scriptures up here on the screens. But in Matthew chapter 1, in verse 18, I think we find out why fear probably overtook Joseph. It says in Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, it says here that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but at this moment in the story, Joseph doesn't know that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. No doubt that uh, he was wondering, okay, what, what, what happened? I mean, I know what happened, but I mean, how? What, you know? The first kind of fear that we can feel that I know Joseph felt was the fear of unfaithfulness. How could she? I mean, she's so nice. She just seems to go against her character, but obviously she was unfaithful to me. Now, biblically, Joseph had two options. One option, uh, because being betrothed back then was legally binding as much as being married, as they moved toward being legally married. So he could accuse her in that moment of adultery publicly, and then the punishment for adultery was being stoned to death. That was one option that he had. A a second option is he could hide her away and, uh, you know, let her go through with the pregnancy and then just divorce her secretly. He chose the latter of the two. We see that in verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, or soon to be her husband, but legally, yes, bound in that same way, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Unfaithfulness. It shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, Matter of fact, recently I found out a relative of mine was saying things about me that accusing me of something to my other relatives that wasn't true. He was wrong. He was unfaithful to me, to my relatives. He broke the trust in our relationship. That's what being unfaithful is, a breaking of a trust in a relationship. We may find out that a friend was you know, talking badly behind our backs to other people, and all of a sudden they broke the trust that we've had in the relationship, and they were acting unfaithful toward us. Or like Joseph, maybe a spouse has cheated on you, breaking the trust you had, acting unfaithfully. The fear of that unfaithfulness can shackle us. I was talking to a friend just this past week, and we were talking about kind of a touchy subject. And um, as the subject was talked about, I began to feel the fear that maybe he, in this moment, might become unfaithful to me, and we might break the trust that I have in this relationship. Because the direction that this conversation is going, uh, he just might damage our connection. Well, fortunately, uh, he didn't. He actually strengthened our relationship through the conversation. Yet our fear of unfaithfulness can tempt us to put relationships quietly away, kind of keep relationships away from us, 
um, like Joseph was planning on doing with Mary. Just put her away secretly. Set her aside. You know, I, I, just, I just don't want to get involved. I don't want to go any deeper because I might get hurt. I, I'll tell you what, I, I'll sabotage this relationship so I don't get hurt by it. Uh, so I don't get hurt by him. So I, so I don't get hurt by her. When we fear unfaithfulness, we have a tendency to lean away from a relationship. And yet, to have courageous love, the courage to love, we must lean into the fear, not away. We must lean toward the relationship and not away. When Joseph was worried, nervous, scared about the relationship that he had with Mary and that she was unfaithful, an angel appeared to Joseph to tell him exactly what took place. Go with me to verse 20. But when he had considered this, divorcing her, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means the Lord saves, by the way, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. That was the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Yeah, the angel, he cleared it up for Joseph. Okay, she wasn't acting unfaithful. But marrying Mary and being the earthly father of Jesus no doubt instilled some other fears in Joseph. Well, let's just take the fact of you're going to be the earthly father of Emmanuel, God with us, right? I mean, that's got to instill a little bit of fear. And then, of course the fear of being disgraced because everybody would know that Jesus was born even before you were married and you know how that goes and back then that was giving you a well, black eye in the neighborhood really. The fear of being rejected by those who didn't know the truth of the situation. But instead of leaning away from the fear, Joseph leaned toward it and he would marry Mary. When we have fear that is connected to our relationships, lean into them, not away. Be courageous. A second way that we can experience fear when it comes to things in our life is when things happen out of our control. You know the story, uh, many of you do anyway, where Jesus or uh, Joseph and Mary then went to Bethlehem in order to uh, be registered. We'll read about it in a moment. But as they went to Bethlehem, uh, they went there not because Joseph wanted to go there, but because he had to go there. Go with me to, well, before we go, let me fill in the blank. Fear 
happens from forces beyond our control. Like I said, he had to go to Bethlehem. Over in Luke's account, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, it says this, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth. That would be to the north. And when they say go up, it means everybody goes up when they go toward Jerusalem and Israel. Um, To Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. It's about an eight to ten day trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And uh, Mary was with child. I mean, like, really with child. She was very, very pregnant. And I can picture Joseph walking the donkey, you know, and, and Mary on top of it. And he's kind of grumbling under his breath. I picture this, you know, well, I got to go there. I mean, I, I don't really want to walk this whole distance over all the way to Bethlehem. And my, my, my wife, you know, I mean, my wife-to-be, I mean, she's, she's very pregnant. I mean, this is not very, and he's thinking to himself, all these people are walking to Bethlehem with me. And, and then he's like, well, there better be a place for us to stay when we get there. That's all I got to say. I mean, look it, we can't stay any place but some place that's clean and comfortable for my fiance. Well, we know how the story goes, don't we? Look at what it says in verse 6. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Oh! Things beyond his control were controlling his life. Imagine the frustration. Well, as the story goes, uh, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and of course, they were terribly afraid. But then the angel told them that in the city of David, there had been born to them a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And and the angel told them uh, to go to Bethlehem and see. And they said, okay, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing which has been told to us. Remember the story? Well, let's pick it up down in verse 16 of Luke chapter 2. So they came in a hurry, these shepherds, and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it, that would be Joseph and Mary and anybody else that was in the stable, all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Imagine. Whoa. (laughs) Something really amazing is happening here. Well, eight days later, um, as was keeping with the law, Joseph and Mary walked about a, about a two-hour walk north to Jerusalem where they would take baby Jesus into the temple in order to have him circumcised. And while they were there, there was a righteous guy there. His name was Simeon. And God had told Simeon that he would see the Christ. He would see the Savior of the world before he, would, before he died. Now, he's getting up there in age. And, uh, and, and yet, notice what it says down in verse 27. 
And he, Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he, Simeon, took him, Jesus, into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Now get this in verse 33. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. In spite of all the forces that were forcing them to do what they really didn't want to do, forcing them into situations that they weren't really happy about, like having to go to Bethlehem in the first place, like, like you know, ending up in a stable, uh, all of that through the shepherds and now through Simeon, Joseph particularly, and Mary also started to go, wow, I see the hand of God working in all of this. The courage to love is where we believe in spite of the chaos. We believe that God is at work despite the things that seem to control our lives. That we choose to look at the world through the eyes of faith, not through the eyes of fear. Life tends to throw us curveballs. Often around this time of year, we're reminded on just how life has unfolded in ways that we would not have made as a part of our own plan. A family member is no longer with us, or we've had a job change, or someone that we love is really sick. Forces beyond our control have their way with us sometimes, and fear can overtake us. The fear of loneliness, the fear of not being able to make ends meet, the fear of loss, the fear of a broken heart. It can cripple us emotionally, and we can run the risk of not loving courageously. It's at these moments that we must look to the Lord through the eyes of faith and wonder in amazement at what He might be doing through our trials. How is he shaping us? No hardship is wasted by God. Let me say that again. It's important. No hardship is wasted by God. He uses them to mold us, to shape us. And we must look at our lives through the eyes of faith and trust God in the midst of when it seems like our life seems to be controlling us rather than we controlling it. The Lord wants us to know His peace and to find His rest even when life can feel like a whirlwind around us. I picture Joseph as having that peace. I picture him in that stable making his way to Bethlehem. Now they're in a stable. The baby's been born and Joseph is there. And he's looking at it through the eyes of faith. And he just holds his baby, his newborn baby boy. And he has that sense of wonderful peace in the midst of the chaos. Oh,
in the midst of the chaos. Well, one more fear that can get the best of us, and it's one that you may not initially agree with, but I think it's true. It's fear in God's will. That when we live in God's will, uh, we're not quite sure we want to live in God's will. Like, not sure that, you know, God will see me through it. Not sure that God's will is the best route to go. 
So Jesus, at the age of around two years old, um, they were still living in Bethlehem or in the area there. And uh, the Magi came, uh, the wise men, and they uh, met with Herod the Tetrarch. There was a ruler over Israel. His name was Herod. He wasn't like the Caesar over Rome, but he had his little area. And uh, they were inquiring about the king that was born in Bethlehem. And Herod was wondering about, what do you mean, another king, you know, that might challenge my throne? And he ordered that all the babies, two years old and younger, would be slaughtered. Now, we pick up the account back in Matthew's text in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. Now when they, that would be the Magi, had gone and left, this was after they gave Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You remember that? Those are gifts to a king. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child, his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Threatening his rulership, he's got to destroy this child as Herod's goal. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. You think Joseph had any fear in this moment? Of course he had fear. Wait, someone wants to kill my boy? And we're supposed to just get up and go to a strange land that I've probably never been to before? And, and like go now, like not even time to think. And what did he do? He trusted God and did his will. Verse 15, he remained there until the death of Herod. By the way, that was a short amount of time, probably less than a year. Herod died after that. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. That's out of the prophet Hosea, Hosea 11 and verse 1. You know, God still calls us to do his will. I mean, not to fulfill prophecy like he did for Joseph, but he does have a will for us to honor him with how we love one another. His will for us is that we reconcile with each other if we're at odds with one another. His will is that we confess our sins one to another. His will is that we go the extra mile with each other. That we are patient, that we're kind, that we're not envious. His will is that we're not afraid to courageously love each other. That's His will for our life. But loving courageously, no matter the situation, candidly can be exhausting. It can be taxing. It can be discouraging. We can feel worn out by living in line with God's will. But to have courageous love, the courage to love means that we never give up hope. We never give up hope in our relationships. Joseph was a carpenter. I mean, I imagine it wasn't on his bucket list to be a world traveler, right? It wasn't on his bucket list to, like, you know, go from his hometown in Nazareth and all of a sudden end up in Bethlehem and then, uh, and then from Bethlehem go to Egypt and then from Egypt... Uh, God was calling him to come back to Israel and then ultimately back to Nazareth. Yeah, it probably wasn't something that Joseph, a simple carpenter, wanted to do, let alone with a young wife and a little baby boy. But notice what it says in verse 19. 
But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, so this is again, this is God's will for him. Get up, take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, by the way, an evil son of Herod, was reigning over uh, Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God once again, this is God's will, in a dream he left for the region of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, he shall be a Nazarene. Yeah, full circle. (laughs) Right back into his hometown again. You know, all that running around was God's will for Joseph. God has a will for you, and he has a will for me. And as we live out his will, we must be people of hope. Hope that we're going to see God's hand working in our lives. Hope that that God is going to lead us like he led Joseph and Mary. That no matter what we're going through, that we have a God that instills into us a hope as we courageously love one another. Jesus is the hope of the world. And he came on that first advent to shine the light of his love to the world around us. We celebrate the advent, the first coming of Jesus. And tomorrow, if you do this at home, you'll light that center candle. That center candle represents Jesus, the hope of the world, coming finally on that first Christmas morning. And as we love one another courageously, as we go into the world with this love that he has for us, it's as if we're taking the light of Jesus to one another. When we love the way that Jesus loves us, we shine his light brightly in our world. All of you have been given a candle, and if you don't have one, we can get one to you if you didn't grab one. But we're going to light these candles, and what I want it to be is a symbol for us. A symbol, not just of the love that Jesus has for us and the symbol of Jesus, the light of the world coming to the earth, but a symbol of courageous love. A symbol that we're going to say as we light these candles, I'm going to take the love of Jesus to those around me. I'm going to love my family the way that Jesus wants me to love them. I'm going to love my extended family. Some of you are going to go and visit with extended family this uh, holiday season and This is a time to demonstrate God's love to them. Courageous love. Lean into those relationships, not away. A courageous love where maybe you're working through some chaos in life and you can talk about the faith that we need to have in Jesus. The faith that he's he's working through our trials. He's doing something in our lives. He's molding us. No trial. He never wastes a trial. He uses it for us. And, and that you, we, you and I can shine the light of Jesus where we say, you know what? I want to live in God's will for my life. So I'm going to start the first candle here, and then we're going to spread it out as we sing Silent Night together, a, a Christmas tradition. And we'll just remember that we're shining the light of the love of Jesus to each other and to those that we come in contact with over the Christmas season.